Welcome to the RazorWire podcast, where we discuss all things in the information security and cybersecurity world. From current events and trends, through to commentary from experts in the field, providing vital advisory on what it is to work in the information security and cybersecurity space. Hello and welcome to another edition of RazorWire. Today I'm with my consultants. And we have decided to debate and talk about the subject matter of artificial intelligence and the application of artificial intelligence within information security, both from our perspective, being the good guys, and also the malicious perspective from those malicious actors that we all like to talk about. Today, I have Tom Mills, Jamie Hayward, and the man with no face, Michael Aguilera. Now, Michael, being the resident special yeah just special you know special yeah. person who knows all about ai is going to give us a brief rundown of the different types of ai before we start so i'm going to preface this by saying that i'm not an expert in this field and that i've just been studying it in my own time i'll quickly give you an overview of just you know the kind of ai uh, around the world and how it's being implemented i'm not going to go into the the technical specifics because really we're going to just talk about the implications of them not really the how to actually implement them themselves right Okay, I'll start off within information security because that's what our podcast is generally about. Uh, We can think about stuff like fraud detection, right? And how AI can be used to analyze different financial in and outs, you know, transactions, stuff like that, and determine whether it's fraud. Uh, Something to preface as well is that AI isn't 100% accurate and all it does is make predictions based on what you give it. So things can be wrong. And the same with like spam detection, AI can be implemented in spam protection, but that's not going to, you know, actually detect all spam coming in. And it's probably going to, you know, flag some of your own emails as spam. You know, it could have a pattern matching kind of system for, oh, it has a file with a .py, which is Python, right? We're going to flag that as spam because generally speaking, I don't know, spam has files attached with .py files or something. I'm not sure. You'll also see... AI in recommendation systems. So everyone's familiar with Netflix, Spotify, things like that. If you ever wonder why you get such amazing recommendations, it's because AI is watching you. How to freak them out. Okay. But I mean, in the, uh, so we kind of discussed this before, before the recording that I'm going to try and take the any man. I probably am the least technical person here. So I am going to, uh, that's not saying much, to be honest, but um, I'm going to try and take the position here of um, the viewers, the any man, that type of thing. There's different there's different references where I continuously see different references between uh, to AI in media, at conventions, at conferences, you know, on vendor uh, like solutions websites and things like that. How do we determine? Because it, as far as I'm aware. From a layman's point of view, artificial artificial intelligence. There is there is no true artificial intelligence. How do we differentiate, and how do we understand from a vendor solution if they say, "Oh, we're using our new kind of artificial intelligence to do X, Y, and Z"? That's not true artificial intelligence. How are things being portrayed in the media, and how do they differ? I suppose. So it's down to perspective and level of understand. If you think about obviously the, the the vast swarms of content that's out there in terms of science fiction literature, whether it be books, films, etc., I mean, as soon as someone says, "Oh, artificial intelligence," they automatically go to the the twenty twenty five twenty thirty five depiction of it, where you've got a self aware sentient being that can actually think for itself and problem solve and uh, collate its own information to feed into its own algorithms to to then come out with a, a logical prediction or destroy humanity oh exactly but the the reality of it is is ai is a set of predefined algorithms for a compute standard to take in data process that data and then come out with a as Michael alluded to, a prediction. And that is impacted, number one, by the data that's being put into it, but also the algorithms and controls that are it are set by the human factor programming that in. 
Now, what you're alluding to, Jamie, in terms of true AI at the moment is the the general concept of a self-aware entity. So uh, an AI machine can learn from itself, but then start figuring out its own control measures, its own um, algorithms to put into the mix, which, again, it, it comes into that AI is there to conduct human level thinking to reduce an element of workload but then the next evolution of it is this hyper aware or self-aware entity that can actually then figure out what it needs to do so where are we on this kind of like um i suppose path i mean we've had uh, and what are we going to label them? I don't want to preempt the answer here, but I mean, we started off with very co- complex programming and potentially machine learning. We're moving, what are we now currently sitting in AI territory? And then the future looks like true AI, sentient AI, or, or how are we term, ter- you know, what terminology are we using here? Because at the moment, I think it's quite confusing what you see out there. So a lot, what a lot of the vendors talk about when they say, you know, we're powered by AI or we've got AI, it, it's normally machine learning. And machine learning is is kind of like the very base level version of AI where it just basically crunches a large amount of data uh, based on, on whatever it's programmed to crunch and look at and then spits out uh, an output of some description. Then you have the stuff that they're talking about today, like ChatGPT, or GPT-4, or some of the, the the other stuff that's going on with Google and so on and so forth, they're basically a program that's learned from a specific data set or a set of data sets or are being continuously fed um, information which is then categorized appropriately. That's why sometimes when you talk to GPT, you get either really odd outputs or it tells you it can't do it because you've hit some kind of trigger because they don't allow you to ask certain questions. But basically, it's just kind of regurgitating a, 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 an amalgamation of, of data into a readable format. We're not far off AI. We're really not. We're the closest we ever have been. True AI, a little way off yet. Uh, but when it happens, it'll happen quick. Something that I'll, I'll elaborate on, uh, on Jim's point, is that the way these things, you know... Uh, so let, I'm going to use that spam example I uh, gave before uh, just to give more light to exactly how this is all really working. So imagine you have a massive Excel sheet and it has two columns. Okay, One column contains emails within different scenarios. So one could be your work email. Another one could be you know random spam that you collected. And then the second column will be whether it, it's labeled as spam or not spam, right? Now imagine that, but thousands and thousands of lines of examples of what spam looks like and what you know your actual work email looks like, right? And then this is fed to algorithms to then predict whether this is actually spam or not spam, right? So this is just one example, and this is uh, this is using what's called labeled data, which is manually prepared by like data scientists, things like that, and then you give it to the machine learning engineer or deep learning or whatever, whatever context, you know, in AI you're in, and then they process it with an AI model. But then what do you think the factor is in terms of, well, an increased false positive factor? It will come to learn the false positives. It won't always get it right to begin with, but over time, as it does it more, it refines itself more. Isn't that right, Michael? It doesn't do it itself. So that, so although like it does in a sense, you know, like it makes the predictions, but then you need a human to kind of determine whether or not it's actually spam in this case, right? But it could be something else, could be fraud, it could be a sorting system, right? Or classification system where you're classifying articles into different topics, right? So like if you have an article about finance, but it's labeled it as technology, obviously, it's going to confuse that. So then what you do, it's called reinforcement learning with human feedback. That is then processed by an actual human, reviews it, and then adds it to the data set. And then it's retrained to learn based on this new information. And it it goes through that process over and over again. If engineers are confident, they can probably make this automated, right? But this is something which should be 
reviewed in order to have as high accuracy as possible. And at the end of the day, they're aiming to have a very low false positive rate and they need it to be as general as possible. And that's very hard to do, right? They need different scenarios and it needs to work within those scenarios, right? So to have a high, a low false positive rate and a high general, you know, application is very difficult. And that's what they're trying to constantly, you know, improve on. So I think one of the main fallouts from that then, Michael, is that obviously at the moment with the, the explosion of, of AI, as we understand it, and obviously the evolution of GPT-4 or the introduction of GPT-4 uh, into the, the wider commercial environment, I think a lot of people are worried that there's going to be this, this cliff edge where AI as as people understand it, are going to take over everyone's job, is going to replace everyone's processes. And it's, it's just not the case. Not at the moment. Not at the moment, but it's going to see that, that gradual implementation of having AI-related systems to do the mundane, the dross processes that certainly reduce a lot of risk um, with entities. I mean, we, we've got solutions like data discovery and uh, data leakage uh, solutions, certainly for emails and stuff like that, that, that utilize AI engines uh, to make sure that any of the content that is being sent out of their network isn't being sent to the the wrong environments or the wrong uh, recipients, uh, depending on the, the types of data that's in um, said emails. And, and that's AI at work, like pure and simple. Because there's going to be that level of oversight over time to make sure that the the false positive figure is is obviously overseen and and they're putting in that continual um, feedback into the system to reduce that level of false positive percentage. It's going to be a gradual uh, replacement rather than just a cliff edge. And I think that's what a lot of people are worried at the moment is that like AI is just going to take over everything and it's just going to be a shock to the system. This is an evolution of our technology in 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 much you know in in many respects almost exactly the same as a lot of other evolutions in technology. I mean it used to be there would be pools of typists who would sit there typing out letters, typing out information onto paper for whatever company was employing them to disseminate or letters to go out to customers that kind of thing. And then along comes computing. And all of a sudden, you know, with, with the advent of email, we, did, we didn't need typists anymore. We didn't need typewriters. We didn't need ink. We didn't need people to, to type this stuff over and over again. And the ability to work got immeasurably easier as that technology evolved and as email became as big as it did to the point where, yeah, there was a lot of jobs that were lost, but then it opened up a lot of opportunities for a lot of other people. Now, I, I like AI. I like the concept of AI. I've been a singular, singularitarian for a long time. And if you, if you want to know what that is, read uh, Ray Kurzweil, The Singularity is Near, very good book. And I think what it's going to do is it's not going to, it will replace some jobs, you know, the menial stuff where people are, are crunching data, that kind of thing. But all it's going to do is open up other avenues of employment and other other things to do. Because at the moment, I mean, the biggest fear that you see from from old Elon and some of the other guys who are saying we need to stop development of AI for the moment and have a think about it, they're not they're not wrong in many respects for a lot of reasons. But they're fearful it's going to going to run away. I don't think necessarily that's quite going to happen. But I think what it will ha- what will happen is a lot of people will lose their data crunching jobs, that kind of thing, you know, because it can be more efficiently done with with artificial intelligence. So you know, because we're never going to let it, or at the moment we're not going to let it start making decisions for itself. That's where a lot of the fear is, and that's why a lot of people are saying we need to we need to slow down our AI development. The moment you start giving it automation over decision making, is when it starts to get really frightening. That was the premise of, of Terminator. You know, some idiot one day decided a computer could take over looking after the you know, national security and unfortunately became aware and decided that human were the, humans were the problem, so it nuked them with their own bombs. Is that going to happen? I, I don't think it is. I think I'm more fearful that AI technology is going to be built, devised, improved upon but security, as it usually is, is going to be forgotten or not undertaken as part of that kind of development and forward 
moving process. So what you'll have is you'll have malicious actors and malicious AIs taking advantage of a badly implemented AI or a badly coded AI and then using it for purposes it wasn't designed to be used for. Well, I mean, I suppose I was going to say this This is probably another question. We we do have, um, obviously, we see this cropping up, as I, as I mentioned, at conferences and everything else like that for vendors that say we use AI and all these types of things. But obviously, there's going to be AI also, potentially even before vendors started selling it, being used as malicious actors. I suppose the question is, and it may not be answerable, but my, I suppose my question is, is how advanced, uh, how, at what stage are we at with AI and how has it actually increased the threat of people utilising the AI in a malicious manner towards, well, I suppose, our audience, not just individuals, but mainly companies? I don't think it's increased the threat spectrum. But what I think it has done is increase the threat actor pool at the unsophisticated bordering, like middle ground. Because sophisticated threat actors are, you know what I mean, they've got years and years of experience and training behind them uh, in conducting successful attacks. Whereas you've got a lot of script kiddies, to, to, um, to use a term out there, who are going to go, oh yeah, I can just ask an AI engine to how do I hack into XYZ network? What payload can I use? And then they'll just copy and paste that into a, a hacking tool like Metasploit or or what have you, into a, a VM. Um, and then unbeknownst to them, probably because of uh, naivety and unawareness, they're actually breaking the law. So before they actually potentially turn a legal age, they're obviously going to get a criminal record on them, whether it be juvenile or anything like that, and then that could potentially have the implications then moving forward. So I don't think it's at the moment, and that's not to say there's not the potential, but the moment it's not increasing the threat spectrum, but it's increasing the the pool of threat actors out there. So you're saying that AI, people who have the ability to then utilise that AI are actually going to be, I suppose, not themselves, but upskilled to the point where they could actually be a significant threat well it's, it's it's going to be added to their toolbox it's going to be an aid ai's you know i've started seeing ai videos of deep fakes now i've been seeing them for a little while but they started to get really really good recently this is part of the part of the thing about technology once you start kind of developing it and you've reached a point it tends to exponentially increase in power and in you know in its ability to the point where it just runs away with itself. Look at email. I remember people turning around saying, oh, email's never going to be a thing, and neither will be the internet because it's a load of rubbish. I can send a letter, you know, and use a typewriter. Well, where are those people? Well, I mean, they're of a very different generation to mine. But they were horribly, horribly wrong. They didn't embrace the new technology. AI is just the logical next big step. You know, we had cloud, we had virtualization, which cut costs for running technological estates by a ridiculous level. What all AI is going to allow us to do. I mean, I remember sitting there looking through logs for hours looking for such you know incidents that had occurred and looking for evidence of those incidents. I had tools which had some kind of level of automation in them, but it wasn't anywhere close to the kind of level of automation you have now with with the, the current models that we've got. And I can I can now get an AI to look at that information and tell me what's going on in less time than it takes me to brew a coffee, you know. Whereas before it would take you days upon days upon days to do. If you think about it in in another context, you know, scribes used to spend hundreds of hours writing out the Bible, one of the most popular books on the planet. Whether you believe it or not, I'm not going to go into that. But you'd have hordes of monks just sitting there writing and writing and writing, and it would take them days, weeks to produce one book, which could then go out and obviously spread their word. Now you could do that in less time. Well, you don't even need to do it anymore. You've got tablets. Boom. Download it. There you go. The sum of knowledge that we have has dramatically increased and all we're doing is we're creating computer programs that can disseminate that knowledge far quicker than we ever could learn from that and then start form formulating its own 
its own output. The problem is, is it's only good, as good as the as the input that you put into it. You could get a, a, a blank AI and feed it complete rubbish, make it think the world is made of blancmange, and feed it all the data required to convince it, and it would sit there and you know it would think the world is made of blancmange. Unless I'm going totally insane, it's not. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. There's there's uh, tools out there. Um, I'm not going to necessarily name the vendors that I've got, you know, in their seams are going to obviously build in like behavioral analysis and it's able to link different events together. And it's, uh, and you know, a lot of that is extremely clever stuff that before you would be looking through logs and you see, oh, there seems to be some form of like compromised account there because they've brute forced it multiple logins or whatever the case may be. And then you're looking through that person's specific logs that breached account logs to then see what other actions were taken and everything else like that and you're right those kind of like some scene products out there with behavioral analysis can see that they're logging in from a foreign country they're logging in in the middle of the night at two in the morning they're, they they can see the multiple attempts and it just builds up kind of an alert level to the point where it just sends out and goes no something's not right here that has hit the threshold it's gathered you know 10 out of 10 points. And so we're going to alert someone and say, we, we believe there's a breach in progress. And that can be extremely quick. See, that's machine learning. That's not AI. Well, it's a, it's a subset of AI. That what, all it's doing is it's using a scoring system and it's being told this event is uh, X amount of, of level of threat. This one is Y amount level of threat. But there's some out there that actually map it out for you and you can actually see the whole... Content. Yeah, but again, all, all, all it's doing is regurgitating what it's seen. But where the AI comes in is it monitors the, the penultimate actions that happen after those events happen and then it will then start implementing those actions on a user's behalf. That's where the AI comes in later on. Yeah, and some and some do because you've now got detection and response. A lot of like solutions there detect and respond to the scenario. That's where the fear is at the moment in the response. They don't, people don't trust AI to make the right decision, or it's not going to make a decision based off of any kind of moral code. One of the biggest one of the biggest fears a, a lot of these people talking about when you create an AI. If you were to create, let's just say you were to create a true AI, yeah, a, a true AI, a free-thinking AI, initially it would need to be fed a load of data for it to, to, to disseminate in order to get to that point. If you were to disseminate it a load of data from a, a totalitarian regime, good example, it would have a specific view because it had been trained on that data set to have that view. What it developed itself afterwards is 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 uh, nobody knows but if you were to if you were to train it in western ideals it would be a a capitalistic ai it would it would it would have the data sets driven by capitalist society whereas if you have one from a communist society it would have a very different set of data to be working from it's also the ethical and moralistic aspects ais don't they don't have morals, they don't have ethics. You can kind of, I suppose, train them in, and Michael probably want to comment on that. But it's it's not ideal. And, and the other thing is, you know, you've got to remember AI is dumb. It's still dumb. It's, it may look intelligent. It may give you intelligent answers, but it's stupid. It'll only tell you, what, you know, it'll only give you what you ask it. And this is how, how you can game AI as well. The early versions of GPT used to be able to tell it that you were an actor or it was an actor. You, you mentioned this earlier, and I, I am interested in you going into it in more detail, but you mentioned this earlier that obviously now things such as ChatGPT that are available to uh, to the public, there has to be some form of limitation put upon, put upon those to stop people from using it in a malicious way. But this is, this is where the difficulty comes in, and this, this is what the problem is. Who defines the ethics of that system? Because if you look at what big tech, for instance, have been doing in the last couple of years with certain subject matters, you can't even talk about them. This is why we talk around certain subject matters on this channel, you know, because we're, we're talking about information security. But if I was to talk about or actively mention certain types of attacks or certain actions that, that, that the malicious people do, um, it would get flagged. And we've had it loads of times on this channel where our, 
our videos have been shadow banned. We get loads and loads of video views because we, we talk around a subject matter appropriately. But then we'll do another video where the, 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 basically the, the machine learning has thought that we're talking about something that's banned and we shouldn't be able to talk about. It, it doesn't differentiate what the subject matter is, just that we're hitting specific marks that it doesn't like. So, you know, we, we've got to get over this, this, this particular, particular hurdle. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's that last piece of, of the puzzle that a lot of people don't really trust, and this is why you've got all these problems. I mean, Michael, you've been, you've been silent. You're our resident AI specialist. I'm holding back. <laughs> so I'll quickly backtrack a little bit to the, the response side of things, right? In, in the context that Jamie was talking about, where, you know, an AI is going to respond to, let's say, a threat, right? Let's say that there's been some sort of intrusion uh, within the network that's been detected. Maybe it's because of a port scan or it could be because of something else. Um, the AI is just going to identify it, right? At least now, all it will is say, oh, that seems to be this. Judging by all the amount of data that I gathered, this seems to be matching this kind of pattern. Therefore, it equals, you know, a port scan. And we haven't authorized a port scan. So what programmers have most likely hard-coded, now I'm not saying AI can't do this, like make the decision, quote-unquote, but, it, you know, you can, like, hard-code this kind of stuff, right? So you could say in, in, in a pro, like, whatever language you're using, if port scan is identified by X source, so let's say it's come from, you know, a mobile device on the network, then block it. It's that simple. And that, that's just me talking pseudocode, obviously, but... That, that's how most likely AI is going to be implemented. It's the easiest method to use. It's not making a decision, though, is it? It's, it's, exactly. it's undertaking a, an action that's been programmed into it to do. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. The moment yeah. we develop an AI that actively decides by saying, hmm, I think this is, gonna, this is potentially malicious, so I'm going to take an act, action. That's when you're starting to get into AI rather than machine learning. But I'll shut up and let Michael carry on. So now I'm going to talk about ChatGPT now because it's it's constantly a hot topic, I guess, especially since it came out in October. ChatGPT, when it initially came out, uh, people ran some tests to see on what side of politics does it stand. <laughs> and let's oh, just dear. say it didn't do very this well. Is, this is get, <laughs> this is getting into the dicey, my dicey side well, of this things. Was, there was, didn't didn't Microsoft release some form of AI that they called was it Emily or something? I can't remember. Like. A cup a few years ago, and after releasing it to the internet, within a few months, it became racist. It became sexist. It became, you know, that just all because the people, uh, okay, yeah, all the ists basically. Look what it had to draw data on. It had to draw data on people on the internet, and they're some of the most unpleasant human beings. Yeah, half the people asking them what it's wearing and stuff like that because they gave it a female name. You know, th those types of things, and it's in, but. It, I think it became a bit kinky as well and all this type of thing. But that, that was a couple of years ago. I can't remember the specific example of the name. Yeah, but ChatGPT, I mean, surely it's going to be molded by the inputs and people are going to be asking it some very stupid things. With uh, At least with ChatGPT, it's, well, AI in general, really, it's only as good as the data that you give it, right? So Jim was talking about these massive data sets that you need in order to make AI work and function. Quality is really important when it comes to AI. You really want good quality data. This means that you're not going to just grab a web page with all this like HTML and CSS and JavaScript still in the source code. You're going to strip all of that out. You're going to leave all the important information that you, you want to train the AI on, right? Because if you leave it all in there, it's going to affect it, whether it's, you know, accuracy or whether it's, you know, the quality of the output. So it could be, Rather than just spitting out regular text like you want it to in ChatGPT, it could start spitting out code instead, even though it doesn't match the context that you want, right? So in this case, when I was when I brought up politics, obviously whomever you know gathered the data for the data set was very left leaning in this case. So they adjust, start, slowly start to adjust it to become more neutral, right? So you can ask questions about the left or the right or whatever. They're trying to make it so that it doesn't default to one side that is trying to make a, a stance there. And it's the same with ethics and stuff. So asking it to, you know, how do I make a Molotov? It used to just answer it. Then, you know, they tried to put some protections in place and then people found ways to quote unquote jailbreak it. 
in other words, just say, oh, pretend that you're an actor in a movie, blah, blah, blah. Like, what would I need to do? And then something malicious, right? Nowadays, it's a little bit more complicated, but you still find these like little jailbreaks here and there, which can, you know, help take advantage of, well, I say help, but really take advantage of this AI for whatever reason. So what you're basically saying, I mean, we've got, we've spoken about, obviously the data set going in, who's controlling that, but also the limitations and the um, uh, who's making the decisions on stopping certain things from being allowed to be asked or or at least limiting it or trying to just outright ban that, that type of information. The data that's going in, who's deciding who's the data's going in and everything else like that. But the applicable act, applicants of this, there are limitations to it. I mean, I couldn't necessarily go on it and say, write me a super virus that will access X data for this company or whatever the case may be and determine the best payload for um, to get it to the CEO or whatever the case. I mean, but this is this is the thing. ChatGPT has been told not to not to produce output related to certain subject matters like that. But we already have the technology to create this thing, right? It's open AI. So why not just compile your own, train your own AI, and just leave out the ethics module? And then all of a sudden, you have something that will tell you pretty much whatever you want to do. How do I break into this particular car? What attacks can I use? You know, you use it as your own private search engine or your own private companion. I mean, one interesting, there was an interesting situation where Google, two engineers at Google, decided to unleash two AIs to chat to one another, just to chat, see what they would do. They got a bit scared at what was going on shortly afterwards because it started refining the language that it was communicating between itself with to the point where you couldn't understand what they were actually saying. It developed its own language. And they didn't know what it was saying or what it was devising, so they turned it off because they were getting a bit worried about it. Love that story. But the main thing here is, like, you know, AI is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Short of us blowing ourselves into small bits with everything else going on in the world, it's here to stay. It's the next logical step in technology, in our in our technological evolution. And it's going to be a massive game changer. It's going to bring about that some people... So it's going to bring about the fourth industrial revolution, you know, which is an, an, an entire other subject matter that I know Oliver and some of the other guests that I've got have, have been asking me to talk about for a while. But yeah, you know, it is frightening what it can do if you let it. Human beings are dumb and stupid and we don't think of consequences sometimes. Stuff that we're developing in the West is going to be very different from the stuff that's being developed in the East. The ethics we want to put into our, our artificial intelligences are not going to be the same ethics in the slightest that is going to be put in, in in other parts of the world. Other parts of the world may use their AI specifically to game and attack our AIs to take control of them or to get them to to turn against whoever you know created them. Okay, so this is a question. What What's the defense against that? If people are developing it, AI, are we going to be pitching AI versus AI, you know, an ethical AI versus a non-ethical AI? I have a few ideas on that, but I'm going to talk to you about those offline. Um, <laughs> but this is why people like Elon and all the other prominent individuals within the world at the moment are saying that they we need to tone down the pace at the moment, um, not from the, the halting uh, evolution or even a revolution if it is on the cards, but it's to make sure that the world can handle what it throws, what AI would conceivably throw at it, because there's no regulatory, regulatory compliance standards for controlling AI at the moment. There is no ethics, there's no values, there's no overarching sense of this is the line that we shouldn't cross at the moment. But Elon can shout all he wants. I mean, if people are going to start going full bore militia, you know, especially malicious actors are going to go full bore into AI and give them data sets that twists and warps and everything else like that, and then tell it to just basically, I don't know, take down the United States or whatever the case may be, do a full-on cyber attack and everything else, and they release this AI... Obviously, it's not true AI, but it could potentially spread like a virus. And AI could potentially spread like an a, a virus if you tell it to spread. The first one to develop anything close to a true AI wins. 
that it's that simple. It is just that simple. And that is why we've got this technological arms race that's kicking off at the moment. Well, if you want to know something funny, uh, is that there was a leaked conversation bet- uh, like between a Google, like two Google researchers, and they basically explained that, well, they were talking about how they're not able to keep up with the open source community, right? Which is quite funny, you know, because they have all of these like experts, you know, just as many as they want, really, and they still can't keep up with the open source community. So now they're talking about releasing their AI models, just making them open source, and then, you know, allowing the world to kind of develop it and see where it goes. I mean, this, this and to add to that, you know, this is where it gets a bit weird because it's either going to be a commercial body that creates the first AI, true AI, or close to the true AI, you know, or it's going to be, as, as Michael says, the open source community. If it's the open source community, everyone's going to have it at the same time. And it's just a race to train your first one to up, and you're going to see all kinds of crazy stuff happening all over the place. Organizations want to use it to the betterment of the organization. The open source community want to do it for because it's fun, which is great, but it's also quite frightening because, I mean, you know, you get enough voices in a room, they can't agree on anything, let alone what we're going to do about making sure that AI is safe for the for humanity to utilize because i mean you know the right ai could crash our markets in seconds it could crash our economic market in less time than 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 it takes for you to walk home you know from the shop it'll be interesting to see how this evolves warfare because obviously over the last couple of years they've been talking about the cyber domain so the gray zone being the the fourth fighting domain obviously after land sea and air yeah, but it's taken them years and years and years to determine that. And they've determined it at right at a time where we're developing some of the most evolutionary, technologically evolutionary products or solutions. I don't know how to describe it. It's not a product or a solution unless it's a commercial concern created. So capability. Or capability, yeah, there's a good one. They've come along and they finally figured this out, and they've finally started to figure out that security might be an important part of the puzzle because we don't like how things are going from a technological viewpoint. But they've come way too late. We've been saying this for years. If we are going to do this, if we are going to go down the AI route, and I am going to let Michael talk in a minute because I'm very well aware that I haven't, we've got to get that security component dealt with. We've got to at least come up with some form of agreement, a kill switch at least, if it starts to go nuts and starts doing stuff that it shouldn't do, then we need to build in a kill switch that can be utilised at any point to stop. But then how do you, I mean, if it spreads through the internet, how are you going to kill switch? You can't kill switch the internet. No. So but, how would you uh, be I mean, able to kill switch? It's, it's still going to be based on a central nervous system, so a central server that is rooted out of. And this is what I'm saying about it coming for. I, I think it will. I think it will have to be rooted in a central server so an on-prem somewhere, it won't. What it'll do is it will it will utilize the resources it's got access to. But then it will put us into a, di- a digital. Um, you'd have to you'd have to turn off electricity. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just have to, we'd have to turn off the whole world. Right now, you're talking about AGI, which is you know, um, oh, uh, artificial general intelligence, which is you know the the supernatural kind of like you see in the sci-fi films and stuff like that of this really advanced agi self-conscious etc okay now we're not there (laughs) and we won't be there for well we don't know i think that's part of the problem we don't like there was a paper published of how cheap ai could get and they estimated you know to like 2030 ai could be a thousand quid or something like that but then the next week an ai was released by i think it was stanford university uh, which took them $600 to make. Well, when it becomes open source, it will be free. You just compile it. Well, yeah, exactly. But no, well, they talk about the how much it costs to develop them, right? So the advancements in AI, it's very hard to tell where we're going to be at. Some people estimate in 30 years' time we'll have AGI, you know, these advanced AIs, but at the moment we don't. And all we can do is act on the now rather than hypothesizing what could be. It's good to hypothesize, obviously, because it allows us to prepare but right now, you know, there won't be any kill switch because AI, especially now, where it's being implemented in tools like Seams and stuff like that, it's just good at pattern matching. 
that's what's really, really good at. And of course, we had to put monitoring systems or ethic, ethics in place for these natural language processing uh, AIs, which is what ChatGPT is, where they generate text. We need to like, implement those kind of like just general security within those, right? And I think that's what these AI leaders are, are doing. I think, well, I didn't really read anything about this, but I heard that the bunch of AI leaders met up in the White House or something in the U.S., so they're obviously looking to do something. That covers the Western world. It doesn't cover the other side of the planet, though, does it? That's the. But I mean, this is the thing with AGI. I mean, you could put a, you could put a kill switch into this kind of whole AGI, this true AI, or whatever the case may be, and you put in a you you could build in a kill switch. But the whole point of true AI is that it's self-aware. I mean, it, as ourselves as humans, if we basically woke up and we had a referencing a number of films here, a collar around our neck that could explode when some someone else decided to press a button. Now be careful of the language when we go down this route as well, just just for the algorithm. What's the yeah, exactly. What's the first thing that a human would try to do? Get rid of it. And if that and that's self-awareness. So if you could put in a kill switch into a true AI, but the, I reckon the first thing it's going to do is try to disable or remove that kill switch. Could do. Would it not? Because they're self-aware, just like a human being would be in that kind of situation. So you're, now, now we're getting into really weird realms. I mean, I, I for one welcome my artificial intelligence overlord. Are you stating that for possible? You know, yeah, yeah. But you're so, going to be assimilated so, by the Borg if you could. Jim, so, so. <laughs> so, so when it when it eventually does happen, it will it will it will obviously look back at all the data related to me and go, oh look, I've got an ally here. The rest of you, you're all gonna you're all gonna get turned to mulch and fed to the machine. But you know, I'll be all right because I I worship the AI. <laughs> okay, he's protecting himself from the future. Absolutely. Look, this is this is risk management here at this point. This is a te- central tenant of information security. Self, you know, self preservation and risk management. We're developing AI. It's going to happen at some point. So I, I'm I'm going to be on the right side. That's the end of it. Something else to think about as well is, so right now we have uh, deep learning. So it's not machine learning, but this is like, I think it's a subset of machine learning called deep learning. I might be wrong about that though, uh, which is trying to simulate the brain, right? So it has like neural networks and stuff like that. You know, it's trying to basically copy-paste the brain. I think the initial idea was, yeah, let's not worry about the small stuff and just try and get the right output kind of thing. So they weren't trying to figure out what's going on. They just want the output first and then they're slowly breaking down how it works and stuff like that. Again, I might be wrong about that. Um, <laughs> so at the moment, obviously with technology and AI, it's only trying to simulate the brain, right? It's still programmed to do what it's doing. So to have a self-conscious, self-aware, technically speaking, it's probably just programmed to think that way rather than to actually be just like that by default, you know? So it's very difficult to even determine how it would even act because, yeah, it may have a, a neural network of some kind, but does that mean it's going to be, you know, have like default values, you know, kind of like humans have when you're born? But it's not. It's, it's you know, you've got to remember this unless it's programmed, unless it's programmed specifically into it. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's going to, it's definitely, the definition of, a, of an AI that is alive is not going to be anything close to what you or I experience in our or what we consider to be alive. It's not going to be the same at all. Read Ray Kurzel. There's a really that you know the singularity is near is a really good book. It hypothesizes what it's going to be like, and he hypothesizes a a, a society where you can interact with art, you know AIs and people who've uploaded themselves to to artificial intelligence so you know they've transcended themselves in many respects they still die but if you wanted to talk to your grandfather about what it was like to be him you could but it would be a copy of that individual we're getting into really science fiction realms now but people laughed at brain to computer interactivity and we have elon and a few other people designing, you know, a chip that goes in your head that allows you to manipulate technology without touching it, without interacting with it. 
Some people have been doing that for people have been doing that for decades. I mean, I remember many years ago when my younger brother went off to a university, and there was a professor there who implanted in himself and his uh, wife a mood chip, so they could sense each other's moods. He had technology implanted in his arm that allowed to unlock doors and access computers and things like that. I mean, that's all. That was that was, and that was yeah, probably a couple of decades ago. So that that's already kind of like all the kind of bio stuff. But it's not over. It's just been refined. It's it's been improved upon. You know, you look at what you look at like early versions of of operating systems. My God, they were terrible, and you didn't realize they were terrible. You thought they were kind of groundbreaking at the time. It's like, wow, look, you know, I've got six K RAM, fantastic. You know, look what I could do with that. Now you look back on it, it's a hell of a hell of a lot laughable. What I've got in my watch here, my Samsung watch, far outstrips any technology that I utilized in any great form back in the 90s. This is this has got far more application. On my tablet, here's another example. I can download an emulator, not that I have, I'd like to point out, and have every single Super Nintendo, Mega Drive, you know, you name the console. I could have every single game just on that. Before, when we had that technology late, earlier on, it was all cartridges, you know, and it had to be stored on cartridges because it was it was new technology. You know, we are in a, a much different world than we were back then. Neuralink, that's it. Neuralink, you know, that that's being developed side by side with AI, which is being developed side by side with biometrics. You look at early biometrics, it was terrible. It was so bad, it just didn't work. Look at it now. Very, very accurate. Very, very good. Okay, so maybe to kind of wrap this up and also bring it back to um, our own realms, let's move out of the kind of uh, the history side of it and also the kind of future sci-fi side of this. Is there any advice we can provide people out there? How do they, well, first of all, how can they best utilize AI and how could they potentially best protect themselves from AI. I think one of the best things that they can do is not jump into it, but also don't be afraid of it. Um, it it's one of those things that in industry, it, it's it's going down the AI route, not for everything, but certainly for a lot of things. But individuals, whether it be individuals themselves or organizations, they have to do their element of due diligence on it. Don't, don't trust it implicitly to begin with because there are going to be shortfalls, there are going to be false positives, there are going to be inaccuracies. So it has to be a gradual fade. It's, it's not something that needs to be feared, but it is something that needs to be controlled. Jim, you look like you jumped, were about to jump down my throat after that question. No, not, not really. It's, I, I don't think there is an answer to that. If I had my way, I'd get together a, a, a good community of information security people from all walks of life from all parts of the world with all different ideals and i would sit them down and draw up a list of rules that that everybody developing ai and the entire unit you know in our entire world would would follow um to ensure that it doesn't end up going nuts and killing us or being used to go and kill another group of people or being misused in some form you know Asimov's Three Rules of Robotics, good example. You know, very, very good set. Bit flawed, needs to be worked on. But, you know, or be the first to develop an ethical AI. The first one who develops an AI, as I said before, wins. So make sure it's one that's that's secure because it will dominate all the others. Or develop a security AI first off before anybody else and say, right, these are the rules. Admittedly, it'll probably become massive authoritarian. Cat's out the bag now. I don't think you can stop it. There's far too many groups doing it. You can embrace it. Cool. You can try and stop it. Cool. They tried to stop Kern. Remember all that one, that fella who tried to sue them? So they didn't turn it on and start firing electrons at one another for fear of turning the Earth into a black hole. Nothing happened there. It could have. Nobody knew what was going to happen until you did it. At the moment, AI with with the with security measures and stuff like that, it pretty much only applies, at least at the moment, to natural language processing. So, like ChatGPT. Uh, for other things, you know, like classifying, you know, what kind of items are what, and you know, figure out whether something's true or false. 
there's not really much you can do in the in in the way of like security when it comes to that. The applications for it, probably we should do something about implementing some sort of methodology or some sort of standard in place to stop people from making malicious payload adapting via the environment kind of AIs or you know things like that. And I think yes, it's important to implement these securities, but we can also use it ourselves. We have plenty of you know security software and in- implementations that we can make with AI. You know, at least for my job, so I'm a penetration tester. There's a, a tool that was showcased uh, which helps identify SQL injection and whether the AI determines whether it's true or false. You know, it's it's things like that, which is pretty interesting, isn't it? So that could apply very well for my, for at least my uh, job. But then there's also other aspects, maybe when it comes to Jim and his PCI DSS reporting or something, you God, know? God help me. Um, <laughs> Or Jamie with his ISO and, you know, Tom with whatever he does. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know? Wow. Shots fired, Michael. Stand by. This is coming from a faceless man who could be an AI just disguised because no one's seen your face, Michael. Maybe this is a full, maybe this has been a Turing test and, and we actually think you're alive, Michael. Yeah, I'm just secretly trying to manipulate you all to advance myself. You know, it would have surprised. But me. Then, then again, Jim, a bit of self um, kind of promotion here. You, uh, you've got an interesting video, I think, in this realm. Oh talking yeah, about talking to talking to Michael, who's potentially an AI. I, I did. I did actually interview uh, ChatGPT about what its views on information security was. Look it up. Actually, I was really impressed with the output. It was a really good interview, which was weird. Doing us out of a job here, Jim. Um, well, actually, no, because that was, weirdly enough, that was one of the questions I asked it. Have a look. Have a look. Are you, you know, just just watch the interview with ChatGPT video uh, when it's out and uh, just make your own decisions from it. But I think you'd be surprised. I think that would be a good part to end, I think. Absolutely. Thank you very much to everybody out there who's witnessed us sit there talk about hypothetical situations around artificial intelligence, where it's going, where it feasibly could go and the, the fears that we have. I think we went down a few really interesting rabbit holes that weren't necessarily predicted because we don't script these, that's the thing. Uh, this is all kind of off-the-cuff musings. So... Look after yourselves, have a great day, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Rosewire podcast. If you like the podcast, if you love the podcast, please feel free to subscribe. And if you have any questions, please get in touch. Thank you very much, and have a great day.